Welcome everybody to Kingdom Talks. I've got Doug Jaden with me and he's written a book called I Came to Give and we're going to talk about that right after this. Welcome to Kingdom Talks. We engage with leaders, teachers, creative artists, and everyday people in conversations to awaken listeners to new revelations of the Kingdom Age. All of our courses, community conversations, partnership links, and much more can be found on our website, kingdomtalksmedia.com. You can help us get the word out by liking, subscribing, and sharing with your friends. Now, enjoy the conversation. All right, everybody, I've got Doug Jaden with me. And uh, uh, someone, Doug, actually somebody sent me your book um, and suggested that I have you on the show. I, I read through a little bit of it and caught a couple things and uh, reached out to you to um, get online. Or did you reach out to me? I think I reached out to you, I believe. Yeah, I, I don't think remember. you did. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I reached out to you to, to talk about doing a show. And um, anyway, so here we are. And I, I definitely want to dive into this because it's got some great, great concepts here that I love. But before we do that, would you be willing to just share a little bit with everybody who you are, how you got to where you're at today? Um, that would be wonderful if you'd do that. Well, sure. First of all, I just want to say thank you, Gil, for the opportunity to be on your program. I mean, it's, uh, it's great to be able to get out in front of people and kind of share some of these things that uh, God's put on my heart over the years and that found their way into a book. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that is not a it's not a process that is uh, that a lot of people go through to 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 have a you know get a book written and and so it's a lot of effort and I appreciate the opportunity to share it with your with your listeners. Yeah, my privilege. Well, I I actually grew up on a farm in Southwest Nebraska. Um, loved farm life. Intended to stay there, frankly, uh, but what that did is it gave me a real appreciation for for just creation in general and the intricacy with which God created this really cool ecosystem that sustains life on this planet and the abundance that it produces. So really early on, God kind of planted those seeds in my life. And as I, you know, as I kind of went to college and, and started getting into my career, um, I, I got away from that a bit and for a period of time kind of ran off and chased the American dream and you know, I had a small business of my own, uh, made some decent money in that. And then in the late 90s, and it was a technology business too, which kind of got me interested mm -hmm. in technology. But in the late 90s, uh, you know, we had that uh, dot com kind of blow up and yeah. the bubble there and everything. Yeah. Made a lot of money there, turned around and lost it uh, in 2001, 2002. And that really sent me on the journey, Gil, that kind of leads to today, because I got to, you know, asking the Lord, why, why is wealth so easily created and destroyed in this economic and monetary system that we have set up? And, and one yeah. thing led to another, and I started getting into the word and, and uh, wrote actually another book back in 2006 called Fool's Gold where I took a look at uh, economics from actually, actually not economics so much as money from a biblical worldview, but it was pretty woefully incomplete, which I found out a little bit later, hmm. but I got involved with some people in, um, in a project called the Statesman Project with Dennis Peacock. He wrote the forward to the book. Um, and he's a real thinker, a political economist who gets into the depth of economics and, and scripture. And he started using some interesting terms like economic energy and generational momentum. 
And that really kind of shifted my view away from just looking at things from a monetary perspective and including the economic side of it as well. So I got involved in the Statesman on the public policy focus group with, uh, uh, with helping co-lead that. And I read a series of books then between 2009 and 2014 uh, by a, a gentleman named Bernard Leotard. And they were life-changing for me. Uh, one was called The Future of Money. The second was called New Money for a New World. And the third was Rethinking Money. Uh, They're all centered around money. But what, what this gentleman did is he took the concepts around the design of creation and wove them through a narrative about how money and economics should be tied to sustain the design of things like sustainable economic, or not economic, but um, actual creations ecosystems, the, the natural ecosystems we see there. Yeah. And that was a mind bender. I mean, I, at that point, I kind of took a step back and the Holy Spirit began to show me that the economic system that we have today isn't based on anything like that at all, but it should be. And that led to another five years of study where God connected a whole bunch of dots that came together in this initial outline of the book that you hold in your hands called I Came to Give. So there's a little interesting story behind that I want to tell as well, because uh, Originally, I wanted that book to be only 100, 150 pages. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, if I would have stayed with that, it probably would end up being a book kind of along the lines of, hey, let's use cryptos for Christians and change the world. But the Holy Spirit, and that's not a bad thing, right? But Holy the Holy Spirit really had a lot more in mind. So for about five years, as I began to read my Bible more with the kind of this economic thing in mind and, and writing a book in mind, things began to come to mind that I didn't anticipate. And my daughter, she's a, my oldest daughter is a story writer and a story coach. So I understand, you know, the three act 15 beat uh, structure of stories pretty darn well. And what happened was the Holy Spirit started prompting a question as I began to outline this book. And it, the question was this, how would the kingdom of God been built if the fall hadn't occurred? How would it have, how would we have seen this manifestation of the dominion mandate had the fall not occurred? So that question ended up adding about 120 pages to the book because it became what is now part one. And as I began to put that together, I saw that there's a, there's this really interesting thread throughout all of scripture that's told through the lives of the generations of real live human beings that we have recorded in scripture that plays out a three-act, 15-beach story that surrounds the idea of the economics and the economy of how God would have intended us to build his kingdom. So that story runs all the way through history. It runs through both biblical and non-biblical uh, sources. But what's pretty cool is that they both 100% line up with principles that were uncovered while I kind of noodled my way through this thought experiment, which ended up ultimately being chapter one of the book. Wow. Well, I, you know, I, I feel like your book is I extremely timely. And, um, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the mystic movement. I, I would probably say I identify a little bit more with the mystic movement than, than anything else at the moment. But um, I'm going to pause real quick here. <laughs> 
So one of the things that, uh, you know, has been happening in the mystic movement is that a lot of people are going after what is God doing uh, in terms of bringing kingdom economics, kingdom government, kingdom education. There's there's a lot of different kingdom um, pillars, you might say, that people are looking for. And, and they're looking into the heavens to see what Father's doing and, you know, to bring that down to the earth. And I, I just know that, you know, Myself and some others have worked on some of these ideas uh, with Father, you know, just, you know, just, you know, engaging with him. And um, uh, one of the things I felt like he said, and I don't know where you're at, so I'd love to just talk about this. I don't feel like it's going to be a bunch of rules, laws, and regulations that we're going to be moving into. Rather, we have adopted for our own ministry, no more, we don't do doctrines anymore. We do three plumb lines, and those plumb lines are just general guidelines that guide us in a direction. And uh, it's like, and if people want to be part of it, they can jump in and participate. No one's forced to be part of it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we came to start to understand is that when Father's looking at economics or when he's showing us economics, that there's going to be pillars or, excuse me, uh, plumb lines that will guide us in that direction. And I feel like, as I was reading your books, I had no idea what the, you know those might be, uh, but you have them pretty close to the beginning of your book, uh, Abundance, Stewardship, and Cooperation. So I don't know if you're willing to talk a little bit about those because uh, you, you, I think you describe how the two spirits come in that take away, that took away the cooperation and the, the I think the stewardship, but I, I, I don't know if you'd like to share on that. Cause I, I love, that makes my heart throb in a sense, just to think about, wow, these may be the plumb lines that father's downloading and your book came along just at that time to, to share, to show those. Yeah, no, I, I had a similar experience in just writing the book, Gil, because like I say, when I first started putting it together, it ended up being very different than what I first intended or thought, you know, when I sat down, here's what I think I'm going to do. And the Holy Spirit came in and said, well, there's a little more hair than you might than you, you might anticipate. And one of the things, one of the people who has been a significant influence in how I look at the, the worldview of the book is Dr. Michael Heiser. I re- refer to him a couple of times in the book and, and his stuff's getting yeah. a lot of play. And I think rightfully so recently, because he's taking us back into the reality of what a supernatural worldview really would have looked like on the earth. What, what, what did the biblical writers experience in their lives? And being able to give us that perspective is critical, I think, in this time in history, as you're saying, as God's pulling these things down, how do we get them in the right context? Right. And one of the things that he mentioned that really got me thinking was this idea of being an imager of God. In his book, Unseen Realm, he talks about the when we're made in the image of God, it isn't so much that we're maybe playing a role, you know, like uh, of who God is on earth, but rather we are we are um, performing functions that he would perform if he were on earth. He actually placed those in us when he knit us together in our mother's womb. And there's some New Testament scripture that all that also supports that idea. But these these verses and his assertion is that we as image bearers on the earth will carry out the function of building his kingdom. Okay, so my question then was, all right, what would that look like in, in a contrast? Pre-fall, what he intended, because I think if we go to pre-fall and kind of play forward what things would have, what, what would have happened before then, we really get the heart of God's intention 
of how he wanted his kingdom built. And then, of course, the fall comes in. We have to deal with that. That's just practical reality. But as I rolled this thought experiment out, and that's what ended up be, becoming the, the first chapter in the book, it came to what you identified as, as three plumb lines, and the, those being stewardship, abundance, and cooperation. And so as, we, as, I, as I thought about, okay, what, what would that look like? Well, we're going to work together, obviously. We're, gonna, we're going to co-labor with God, his, his counsel, and other image bearers to create this kingdom. And he owns it all, right? I mean, that's pretty obvious. Right. Scripture's very clear about that. And the creation was created to produce an abundance. So that is the world we would have lived in. That is how we would have worked together. And I think we would have seen probably an exponential trajectory of the kingdom building process absent the fall, right. because everything just builds on everything yeah. else. It just goes, <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, yeah. we've fulfilled the dominion mandate, what I call in the book, the, the grand building project. So those, I think you're right, those are plumb lines because when we hang those in the purity of the world before the fall, we get that plumb line, which is, as, as you know, it's something that is vertical and true. And that's what we want to carry forward into the world today. He didn't change. He didn't, his intentions didn't change. His ways didn't change. The environment changed. But we have to go back and reestablish those plumb lines in our, and this happens to look at those plumb lines in the, in the context of economics, if we're going to build a system that's going to eventually allow us to gather the very practical resources here on earth in how to build a kingdom. So <clears throat> I'm just writing this down here, but um, do you see this as uh, an open or a closed system? And by that, I mean, uh, open being something that uh, it's not exclusive, obviously. It's not something where, hey, you got to sign off on this checklist of things that you, you know, you'd be willing to do or trade or whatever in order to become part of it. But rather, it's just something that people would step into versus a closed system where it would be exclusive. You got to sign on the dotted line. You've got to, uh, uh, you know, pay to get in. You got to, you know, pay to play or whatever. Uh, how would you see this system coming together? Yeah, in general, it's going to be an open system, but it's guided by principles. I mean, we just put yes, out some yeah, very, yeah. you know, the plumb lines. We hang right. the plumb lines. We design the system around it to incentivize cooperation, stewardship, and abundance, but anybody can participate. I mean, we right. want we want a system like this to bless all the peoples of the earth because in the end, a system like this is going to touch another, another of the plumb lines that I see uh, in the book that I talk about called equity. And equity is a financial term, and it's generally assets minus liabilities equal equity if you're talking about a financial balance sheet. But I think as we look at scripture, we see, especially in Jesus's life, he built equity in others. That's what he was all about, right? Um, every encounter he had with human beings, he either built their physical, their emotional, or their spiritual well-being. One or all three, he touched those in every encounter he had. And those are what we look at in the book and what I call equity. It's, it's a balance. It's taking liabilities yeah. in our lives in those areas and making them into assets so that we have, a, we have a positive outlook. We're able to function more easily as the imagers that we were created to be. It's good. It's good. So now you also talk a lot about, um, and this would apply to the open versus closed system, but trading into the kingdom, God's kingdom, or trading into darkness. Um, and, you know, I've always been a believer that 
every choice we make is trading into something regarding our destiny. It's either trading away from it or it's trading into it. Um, your, your concepts there, I think, are, are well taken, well received by, by most people that uh, we want to be doing things where we're trading into the kingdom. Uh, so how would that also apply to the openness uh, versus closed system? Well, I think it's important for people to understand a, a real depth of what's going on on these trading floors. So what I call our trading floors, I, th I think there's, there's a, a general understanding in the Christian community that, yeah, we are to be stewarding our resources for the betterment of the kingdom. What I think that we may be lacking a little bit, though, is an understanding of the battle that goes on on those trading floors and the opposition and what he's created to stand in, a, in opposition to, to the kingdom of God and to build his own kingdom, frankly. And when we yeah. do that, we'll be able to better discern, okay, is this, am I entering onto this trading floor in a manner through my own free choice to build the kingdom of God? Or is something else going on that maybe I didn't see that's knocking me off track? And chapter two of the book really goes into detail on what the enemy is doing there. The, the first part of the book spends quite a bit of time looking at him because I think we've lost sight of what he's done. For 3,000 years, he's been building an economic and monetary system to benefit him and build his kingdom. Why? You know, that's one of the questions I opened the book mm -hmm. with. It's my favorite question. Why? And, uh, you know, I don't think we have to go any further than Isaiah 14 to see that. I mean, he says in Isaiah 14 very clearly, uh, he's got a list of I wills. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit upon the mount of the congregation in the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So he very emphatically stated that, you know what, I'm going to take the position and the person and the purpose of God. That's my goal. Problem is, that's a pretty tall order, right? I mean, that's that's an audacious goal. So how could he ever hope to do something like that? It takes enormous resources to practically build a real functioning kingdom on this earth. And since they're all gods, how, how is he going to go about that? That kind of led into looking at Ezekiel 27 and 28. And I think most scholars generally agree that the account there of the king of Tyre really gives us insight into who Satan is and what he's about. But when you look at those through the lens of economics, something really interesting kind of leaps off the page. And uh, I'm going to read a couple of those scriptures because I think they're, it's really important to get that context. Okay, sure. Ezekiel 27, uh, chap, uh, verses 2 and 3, says, Now, son of man, take up a lamentation for Tyre, and say to Tyre, You who are situated at the entrance of the sea, merchant of the peoples on many coastlands, thus says the Lord. And then in verse 9, he says, All the ships of the sea and their sailors were with you in order to deal in your merchandise. So when we take that context into chapter 28, and... We, we come to the, let's see, ver the first few verses of, of, of chapter 28 in Ezekiel. It says this, the word of the Lord came to me again, saying, Son of man, say to the leader of Tyre, thus says the Lord God, because your heart is lifted up. And you have said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of gods in the heart of the seas. And that's a direct tie right back to Isaiah 14. Yet you are a man and not a God. Although you make your heart like the heart of God, behold, you are wiser than Daniel. 
There is no secret that is a match for you. And here's where it gets interesting. With your wisdom and understanding, you have gained riches for yourself. And this is the real key. By your great wisdom in trade, you have increased your riches and your heart is lifted up because of your riches. So it was Satan's pride originated in his pride of trade, his mastery of the art of trade that led to him to, to manifest that in a way where he eventually was cast from heaven. And that goes down into verses 15 and 16. It says, by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as, profa as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. So that context is just really important to understand. Satan knows trade. Out of all that, uh, this is what I want your viewers to get. Satan understands trade really, yeah. really well. He's invested in it. And wow. part two of the book goes through the history of how he has been very successful in investing that in setting up a system to benefit his kingdom over the kingdom of God. And we've got, we, we've got to have our eyes on that as we develop what we want to do to counter that and, and take back what God intended, intended us to, to originally create. Yeah, you know, and obviously he is the great deceiver and, you know, deceived Adam and Eve into trading away their destiny, uh, Esau trading away his destiny. Um, and he does that to us, but usually very, very subtly, you know, trade by trade until we find ourselves in a spot where we realize, oh man, I've traded away potentially my destiny. Now I believe we can, uh, anybody can redeem it, but yes. yeah, so that, that's one of the things with, with, um, you know, the, the enemy is that he's very clever in that. Now, on the opposite side of the darkness, um, when we talk about building the kingdom, <clears throat> uh, I just want to throw out there the idea, and then we're going to take a break here, I guess. But, um, you know, oftentimes Christians get so myopic in their vision of what they think is, you know, Christian or good that we, we, we kind of poo-poo the ideas of people who are doing good and great things even though they might not be Christians. So uh, in my understanding, I could still trade into something where they're cleaning up the earth, where they're cleaning up the oceans, where they're you know, doing good things, even though they're not Christians, and I can trade into that, and that's trading into the kingdom. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say one of the things that we've seen, and in particular as I've studied this out, and the intention of how God would design an economic ecosystem, I mean, he used that word in the book, the the secular community has picked up on that reality through god's general revelation better than the church has frankly at this point and we've got yeah, some ground yeah. to, to make up there but you know they there's there is a lot of good work being done out there um to help better yeah. the environment i mean one of the one of the things we'll see from unfortunately a political standpoint that a lot of christians get wrapped up into is this idea of, you know, environmentalism bad. I'm sorry, but we are to be the ultimate environmentalists in how we yeah. steward this creation of his for its highest and best use to build his kingdom. And frankly, we're not doing a very good job of it right now. Yeah. And I think partly that that comes from a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, viewpoints of, um, you know, uh, let, let's not worry about the earth because it's going to all burn. Yeah, and, yeah, and that type of mentality versus saying we're supposed to be stewards. We are the stewards of the earth and all, and of all things that God has created. So, 
put our mind and our hearts toward that versus um, just throwing it to the wind, saying, well, until Jesus comes, well, I'm not going to worry about it. No, we, we need to do the right thing now because it's the right thing to do. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back right after this. An ecclesia is family doing kingdom business. When you join an ecclesia with Kingdom Talks Media that is going through the Ultimate Impact series, this is what a typical week might look like. During the week, you'll watch the Ultimate Impact teaching videos based on that week's topic. Each video is about 10 minutes long, followed by a time for you to shift focus into the heavenly realm, allowing Father to guide you into further revelation. Once a week, you'll gather with your Ecclesia group in person or most likely through Zoom conferencing to typically do two things. One, relate with each other as you share insights about that week's topic. And two, shift focus into the heavenly realm as an Ecclesia to practice engaging Father together. Week after week, you and your Ecclesia will gain new perspectives through the teachings, discussions, and your experiences individually and together in the heavenly realms. All right, I'm back with Doug. We've been talking about uh, kingdom stewardship and uh, what's the difference? You know, uh, Doug, why don't we go back to, um, I guess I have it here. You you talk about the, the spirits, uh, and, I'm, and I'm just going to read this part. So, okay, sure. um, Satan acquired what was not his and used it for his purposes, casting aside the principle of stewardship and replacing it with a spirit of control. Um, I think, you know, that's just a thought-provoking piece there, that when we realize that how much of us, how many of us actually kind of operate out of a place of control versus the stewardship, and then... He also ceased to work with God to advance his kingdom and set out to offer a kingdom of his own, therefore casting aside the principle of cooperation and replacing it with the spirit of competition. And I just feel like those are two areas that every person listening to, myself included, probably you know, all of us, that we could go through and say, okay, where am I operating out of a spirit of competition versus cooperation? And where am I operating out of control versus stewardship? Because I think we, we can, if we're not careful, naturally just slide into those other two spirits, which are, um, you know, not necessarily good. Some people might argue that competition's okay, and I, I'd probably say, yeah, in some cases it might be okay. But um, uh, I tend to, I'll just say, as I've become closer and closer, more intimate with the Father, I have a whole lot less competition in me, and I used to be so competitive. It's like I had to win anything I was doing at every cost, and I would just, you know, trample over people to win. <clears throat> I don't care to do that anymore. <laughs> I hear you, brother. So. I mean, and you hit on probably here the one of the main themes in the book, and that is understanding the reality of just how powerful these two spirits are. Uh, they create, what they create when they come together, control and competition, is they produce a scarcity mindset. So if you think about that for a minute, good. both of them operate from that position and can only operate from that position. I will only compete with you if I think it's the zero-sum game and I have to advance my position and win. I will control you, again, if I believe that there's a scarce resource, I mean, if, if it's not a power thing, that I need to gain a hold of those resources and it's a zero-sum game. Satan brought those right into the garden. 
And he approached Eve with those two spirits right out of the gate. He had, he, he enticed her to, first of all, he's very crafty, right? So he didn't, he didn't go to Eve and say, hey, I want you to help me build my kingdom. He said, you know what? If you take control of this apple, you will be like God. Don't, don't help me in my quest to be like God. You'll be like God. So yeah. all of a sudden, there's a, a control issue that was happened. She reached out, grabbed that apple, boom, took control of something that was not hers and used it for purposes that uh, God never intended. And immediately when he did that, or when she did that, Satan had an alternative image that he could present then and try and draw people into to take up his image in place of God's. And, and, and use them and their economic energy and everything that they're, they're, they're doing and the resources they're able to generate to build his kingdom. And that's what he's done for the last 3,000 years plus. Well, I find it interesting. I think you mentioned it earlier in the show as well, but you just said it again, economic energy. And I was just looking at, at something that I was going to say, hey, let's talk about this. Uh, it, economic energy <laughs> transforms the material and spiritual world from one state to another. Um, talk a little bit about how you see economic energy and how it works in us and in the kingdom. Well, it's energy in itself is a really interesting topic as we're learning more about science, right? I mean, we know that yeah. all matter is energy. Yeah, come and on. When we think about <laughs> some laws of, of uh, physics, you know, the first law of thermodynamics, and that was part mm -hmm. of the pre-fall thought as well. You know, anything that we make stays made and it's efficient and it never wears out and breaks down because energy once it's transformed into one one form it without without the second law of thermodynamics which is entropy it would have just kept going so we have to manage the energy that that we have given to us and we're able to generate through the the gifts and talents and the image that god placed in us he placed it in us to harvest to store and to deploy real energy that we that we get from the earth even from eating food and it sustains us and creates energy yeah. that's yeah. how we how we operate in stewarding our gifts and talents to build his kingdom so all of it has an economic component right we're building we're constantly building and it's always being directed in one manner or another so it's that's it's no more complicated of a term than that other than the energy that we produce has an outflow somewhere there's always a flow happening and we want to direct the flow of that energy again to build God's kingdom and not that of the kings of the earth. So you also use the example of dollars, euros, uh, yen, you know, all of these are, are for, uh, how do you say that? They're forms of energy or economic energy? Yeah, they're basically correct? a store of, of, of economic energy. So when, when, when we take excess capacity that we have that we're able to create, you know, we get a paycheck we spend what we need for our, our needs and uh, on a monthly basis. And then maybe we have some left over, right? That goes into a form of energy that is latent. It's sitting on the sidelines ready to be deployed. And that's generally in the form of some kind of a monetary instrument. It doesn't matter what it is. It's, you know, a dollar or a yuan or a yen or something like that. But it is a, it is a storage form for, economic energy and that's really money's not a whole lot more than that i mean it's a medium of exchange and we can talk about that and its importance later but that is one form of of how it stores economic energy how money does that yeah well um 
there there is something I have written down here, uh, and I, I'm kind of curious what you think about it. Uh, the stock market, which is trading, and and uh, a lot of people don't want to do the stock market, don't want to get involved with it at all, because they feel like if they're trading and you know on the stock market, then they're owning parts of companies that don't have kingdom mindsets. Uh, and then there's others who will trade into the the um, um, the market with the attitude of I am trading into the market because I'm going to be able to take a little piece, or that's their intent anyway, is that they would be able to take a little piece of that that monetary energy and gain more from it. So they're taking away from the dark side, if you want to call it that, and bringing it into the kingdom. Um, so what are, what are your thoughts? I, I tend to lean toward the, the back one, the, the second one, you know, but I, I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts are on it. Well, we've got a system in place that we just we have to live with, right? I mean, it's it's Currently, an economic yeah. and monetary system that <laughs> right now we don't have a, a good alternative. So we, we have to make the best use of it that we can and let the Holy Spirit guide us in that. With that said, I think one of the things that is probably the most one of the most controversial aspects and assertions in the book is that the economic or the economic system that we have right now capitalism is not biblical in its structure it's just i uh, agree not. and it's because yeah, of it's the competitive nature of that <laughs> yeah and we can get into the idea of competition and in, in that a little bit further because we have been told since we were able to set up a lemonade stand that capitalism is the best form of economic system devised by mankind in history and I would point to the words devised by mankind. That's right. true. But I would agree with that statement by man. It, yes, maybe. Yes, it is by man. And we lost and it goes back to the original conversation where we started. We lost those plumb lines. Competition yeah. has replaced cooperation. And it's happened to such a degree and it's infiltrated culture so deeply that we don't even realize when we're engaging in it. Now that brings back to how it manifests itself in the stock market because you've got companies out there that are performing for shareholders they're they're being very competitive in in the, the nature of how they train their employees christian employees operating in there i mean a lot of us are just ginned up to you know let's go take market share let's uh, maximize profits you know for the good of the kingdom and those kind of things which can be all well and good but we've got to be very very careful about where our heart is when when that's happening uh, yeah. and again how much we understand the so difference good. between okay i am really taking this and using it for the benefit of the kingdom versus no it's become a part of me in my heart that maybe isn't healthy that and that is such a key thing right there um uh i'm actually going to be interviewing in the next few weeks um kate and mark wilburn a young couple very very spiritually focused but he trades. That's all he does is he trades and he teaches on that. But he will take he will teach people who want to learn how to trade. He will teach them how to do it. And and it's all about what's in your heart and what you know, because God wants your heart more than he wants you to be rich or anything else. So Absolutely. he may use if you got your heart set on the stock market, he may use that to bring you down. Um, you know, and anyway, so I, I love the um, fact. <laughs> been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah, and me too. I, you know, back in the dot com, in the dot com, I lost my tail in in the dot com, 
And um, and so I really haven't got back into it since, really. But uh, I am going to be talking to him about it because I want to hear how he teaches and trains. I'm already going through some of his courses. But uh, yeah, the, th- the bottom line is God is after our heart. And he may, for some people, use, if, they're, if their heart's in the stock market, he may use that to bring them down to the place where they're, they're crying out for him, not for the money and not for the stock market. But you made some really, really key statements. You know, capitalism, yeah, it might be the best economic system that man has created. Democracy might be the best government man has ever created. But neither one of those are kingdom. And... That's one of the things I feel like I, I keep trying to reiterate to people that um, we are are if we're trying to restore and and save these systems which are not of kingdom, uh, we're kind of going to be beating our head against the wall because I I believe one way or another they're going to come down. I don't want to be. I'm not, and I'm not advocating one bit that we go out and tear these down because, like you said, we don't have anything to replace them with yet. And you talk about chaos; there would be plenty of chaos if we went and tried to tear down the governments that we have and the the economic systems that we currently have without having something to replace them with. Um, but you know, those who are out there trying to uh, get in there to 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 you know bring these systems back to their fullest, I just would say, you know. Talk to Father about that because uh, I know that he's got something better. I don't know what it is yet, but I know there are lots of people around the world right now that are really inquiring, working with Father to see about another system. And I think that's where, you know, those plumb lines will come into effect. Yes. And um, I, I just think it's, it's, a, it's a great timing for, for this book for a lot of people. So... Well, I appreciate that, and uh, you, you hit on a couple of very key points there. Um, I think a lot of your your viewers probably are familiar with the Great Reset, the term that's going on. The that's uh, yeah. The, the, there is there's a lot of hand wringing going on about that. You know, we see yeah. the World Economic Forum, and we see global people, you know, that are in, involved in that. This is something God's doing. This is, and we need so to I want to talk that. Yeah, if you're if you're ready, I would like to go into that, but we got to do one more break, and so I want to do it now, and then we'll dive into that. If you're all right, well, let's let's go that route. Is that okay? Perfect. Okay, we'll be back right after this. Wow, with so many awesome ways to grow in the transformation of your body, soul, and spirit, reconnecting with God, the heavens, and yourself through breathing. Let's get started. You can find Adina's Emerging Course series on breathing transformation at kingdomtalksmedia.com. Why wait? All right, so we're back. <laughs> oh, the timing of those, uh, trying to end those on the, the right note there. Um, I, I, I get, it, get it off at times. Anyway, uh, so Doug, go ahead and take us into the, this reset that so many are hearing and talking about right now. Well, there's, especially over the last year or so, there's been a lot of talk about this great reset that's happening. I mean, COVID came on and changed a lot of the dynamics of global economics, and and now we're hearing the term build back better. And if you trace that through, it it, it actually infiltrates into several countries and leads back to uh, an organization called the World Economic Forum. And I think we can look at that and say that there are some laudable goals there. Um, de- definitely issues in the environment that they want to steward better. 
don't agree with necessarily their, uh, their prescription on how they want to get there. But what that's done is brought that term into the forefront. And there is a great reset going on, but it's not being initiated by the kings of the earth. God is initiating this reset, I believe, in this time, because as you said earlier, we're pulling down, we are pulling down more kingdom vision and how to manifest that on the earth than any time that I know in recent history, probably yeah. since, you know, the Acts 2, Acts 4 time when they were getting all that revelation. <clears throat> But yeah. what we're seeing here is we've got we've been given a binary choice and those are always dangerous. Politically, it's Republicans and Democrats. Economically, it's it's capitalism and socialism. And we're told that those are our only two choices. So socialism's bad, we have to stay away from that. So capitalism's it. That's that's all we have left. And what we're seeing through this reset is God is bringing out his principles and who he's reestablishing his plumb lines, those plumb lines, cooperation, stewardship, and abundance. And he will bring forth a new economic system based on those principles as we go through his great reset, not, not the kings of the earth. And I think that's a, an important distinguishing uh, statement because um, I hear tons and tons of stuff about a reset and the best that I can tell from what I hear, if it were to even happen, it's by man. It's not something that, that God is doing. Um, you know, I, but I, but like you said, you just said it, is that so many people are, 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 are seeing what Father's doing and they're bringing it in from heaven into the earth. And um, there's going to be some massive changes. And I still, my heart is in this place. I don't know if it's true or if it's going to happen, but my heart is in this place where that, you know, Father reveals to enough of his people his kingdom government and his kingdom economics and education and so on and so forth. And people just begin to walk in it. And they're, you know, they walk in it through the plumb lines, whatever those might end up being. People begin to walk in them. And as people begin to walk in it, uh, there, there's just this beautiful uh, 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 synergy that takes place. And God breathes on it and people are drawn toward it. And that more and more people would just come into it. And so, you know, so like a shot might not ever have to be fired to go in and forcefully take down the systems that are there. It would just be that people, enough people, kingdom minded or not, just see the beauty of the this new system and begin to shift over to it. That's where my heart is at. I'd love to see that happen. I don't know if that's the way it's going to happen. But uh, I, I do believe that Father could bring something so beautiful that people would just say, this works. Let's do this. And they step in by choice, not being forced in any, by laws and rules and regulations. Yeah, Gil, I, I, I think it's going to happen exactly that way. And that's why I would like to encourage your viewers. Um, there's a lot of noise out there that can be very concerning and it can generate fear. And um, that's not what God's doing. There are, as you said, there are a lot of people. He's been, he's been downloading this idea of an economic ecosystem that's resilient and diverse and all those kinds of things that that uh that we see in creation he's been downloading that to many people over many years and now we have the technology to begin to bring that together and we're starting to get some perspective on the historical record on things like local mm -hmm. currencies and how just how much value they brought to uh to communities at the community level 
during what would have otherwise been, you know, pretty hard times. And I have a chapter in my book that is called Search the Historical Record. And it's for that very reason. We need to become more students of history. We need to dig in and find those things that have kind of been hidden from us from an economic mm -hmm. and monetary perspective and realize that God has been revealing what works for centuries, yeah. for millennia. And we can now take those principles and begin to rebuild and embrace the great reset that's here and begin to build that today. And, and it's happening. It is happening. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, we only got about 15 minutes left. Uh, I want to ask, how do people get your book? Because I, I know they can order it, but uh, you said you also have it in a PDF or electronic as well. Yeah, tell, uh, the tell URL for the that. book, I, I can't believe, I, I mean, God was very gracious and gave me the URL for the book. I came to give dot life. I didn't even know there's a dot life domain extension, but there is. And, and so if you go to that URL, very simple, I came to give dot life, you can uh, give us your information, just your email address, and, uh, and you can download the PDF. I have an audio book of it. If you want a hard copy, I'll send one to you at no cost. I mean, if you're on the other side of the world, we may have to talk about that, but it's in the spirit of abundance. God has provided a means to Love create that. this book I just want to give it away and let him do with it what he's going to do with it. And uh, it's been pretty interesting what's happened so far with that. Now, do you take donations? There is a place on there uh, to take donations. Uh, it's not really until you're done reading the book. There's a video that you can go to and it's there. But uh, if you see value in that and want to contribute, then I'm not going to stand in the way of that. But that's up to you and the Holy Spirit after you read the book. <laughs> that's good that's great i love it love it well um okay so we got uh about 10 minutes or so left um what i i had another idea but what would what what's some final things that you'd want to share with people i i know what i was thinking but i'll let you go ahead first well i think the last chapter in my book is called ask a new question and the early part of the book i ask a lot of questions why 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 because i think that leads us to some really profound answers if we dig hard enough and we get to the root of things that we really need to get to and start th seeing things like plumb lines i'm sure when you put the plumb lines up that you discovered it was after a lot of seeking and asking why the question that i'm asking now is why not why not create a new economic and monetary ecosystem that's built around these what I call principles of kingdom building, cooperation, stewardship, abundance, equity, and sustainability designed around the creation's ecosystem. Because ultimately, I believe that is what God intended us to create to render to him what is rightfully his. And that is a kingdom on this earth. So there's, we need, to, we need to just be able to ask ourselves that question and stand in some confidence, frankly, Gil, that we can do this. Yeah. Um, we've yeah. been so subject to the, the systems created by man, you know, and I, I, there's a whole part two of the book that talks about the traditions of men, because that's what our right. economic and monetary systems are created on. They've made the word of God no effect in the economic realm. We need to stand down on that recognize it for what it is and say, hey, why not? Why can't we, why can't we build something as kingdom-minded people who have access to the Father and uh, render to him what, what he's asking us to render? Yeah, love that. So 
I guess, and that goes right along with my, my next question that I was thinking about, is how do we move to a kingdom system? Do you, uh, do you address that? I, I um, don't remember if you address exactly the how-to steps that might be taken for us as a, as a, either as a local community or as globally. How do we take steps toward that? Uh, there's a chapter in the book. It is chapter 24 called Cultivate and Keep Your Garden. And that means simply beginning to practice these principles in your own lives and in the garden that God has given you to tend. We tend to want to look at the big picture, you know, and look at the big system that's going to solve all these issues. And when it comes down to it, Gil, it's, it is taking these concepts <laughs> and these ideas and making them practical in our own lives. Now, I've got what's called, after you read the book, I've got what's called the 21-day reset. And mm -hmm. that is a 21-day, just very brief messages that take all of these concepts that are in the book, and they help people to see those plumb lines in their own gardens. You know, it's beyond just seeing it, you know, kind of as a, as a concept in terms of macroeconomics, but it, it starts by, by looking at Zechariah 4.10 by the way, which is don't despise these mm -hmm. small beginnings, but the Lord rejoices yeah. to see the work begin to see the plumb line in Rezrubabel's hands. So when, you know, when you, when I saw you uh, kind of talking about plumb lines, it's like, well, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So this, this 21 days allows you to walk through hanging plumb lines in your garden and then beginning to build according to them. It's, it's a reset of thinking. It's a reset of mindset. And it is just a beginning because what we're entering into is a pretty long game. This is not going to happen over days or weeks. We're talking on right. a years long project to see this thing come to fruition. So uh, now that the 21 day reset, is that something you give out after they read the book or is it in the book? Because I don't no, no, after you read the book again on the website, okay. there's a place where you can go to sign up and you get a you get an email every day for 21 days. It's got a five to 10 minute message from me and a few links back to the book. Just to help you kind of start seeing, to begin to take the, you know, oh, 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 that actually does apply to my life. And, and here's how I can connect it to it and begin to begin to make some changes that will ultimately lead to something I think much greater. Okay, that that's the key right there, because I was going to ask, uh, would this micro, you know, being me just working on this 21 days, would that then kind of connect in with other micros that would then create the macro? Uh, you, and you hit I think on you just a said huge it. word there that I, I want to expand on, and the answer is absolutely yes. We are working on actually some technology platform development that's going to allow exactly that. How do we connect? How do we incentivize using today's technology, not really cryptocurrencies, but a new way of, of looking at value exchange to incentivize and connect our worlds so that we may transact in this way and build the kingdom through this type of a system that incentivizes these things. The cool thing is we don't have to have that app ready to start. Like I just said, we can begin making micro deposits of equity in people's lives every single day, just by how we change maybe how we talk with them or interact with them or smile at people where we maybe didn't before or be a little kinder in how we drive. Those are all micro deposits in the kingdom of God. We don't realize it, but that's God's economy. It's that's giving good. people an opportunity to respond to an act of kindness, to the fruit of the spirit, as opposed to the fruit of the flesh. And I, I look at Galatians 5, both of those passages in pretty good detail in the book, because 
it's that's a pretty important part of what we're what we're working on. Well, and you know something else that came out when we were my my group was looking at uh, the kingdom government, kingdom economic, economics, and kingdom education was the fact that um, well I shouldn't say the fact, but my take on it as we were diving in and just having conversation with father and one another that this type of system would struggle in an environment where uh, you, you, the bad apples start to come in, so to speak, where the bad apples come in and start taking advantage of those who are operating in, in a kingdom mindset. So it, it all came back around to kingdom education almost has to come first. And that kingdom education is actually teaching people and hopefully from a very young age, teaching people how to love themselves well. Because if I love myself well, I'm not going to be interested in hurting you or anybody else if I love myself well, because I'm going to treat my neighbors, I treat myself. But so many of us have been raised in environments, you know, we hear the words, you're worthless, or you're stupid, or, you know, and all that takes is just a few times of by anyone who's, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Mm. And that sticks in us. And so anyway, I could see that that is potentially where we wind up having to really start. But we have to get these principles, like the, what you've shared, we have to get these engaged as well. And then as we can start creating a society that really believes, loves, and understands themselves, um, that hopefully we can begin to engage in what's being built by those who have already stepped in and start uh, changing the world that way. So I love yeah, that. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, you're hitting on a lot of very important uh, issues as we, as we come to a close here. Uh, in the book, I talk about a, a, a documentary called The Century of the Self. And it explains in some detail how the, the uh, traditions of men and the economic system they created caused us to focus on ourselves. And what mm -hmm. we're trying to do now is to re get people to kind of rethink how how they interact with one another through these micro deposits initially and become equity builders. I think yeah. equity builders is going to be the 21st century's boom industry because we have so many hurt people out there who need help. And this system is going to be designed in a manner that incentivizes providing them with the resources they need to do that because God's gifted them to do that. And right now they're, I mean, so much of that's happening with volunteer labor and such. We want to provide an, an, a, a system that actually values that building equity in individuals and families and communities as a foundation for whatever economic activity comes mm -hmm, after that. Mm -hmm. That's the basis of it because that's what Jesus did. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we're, yeah. we're looking at seeing the 21st century become one that our grandchildren and great grandchildren will look back on as the century of the selfless because we learned yeah. what it was truly like and had an economic system that allowed us to love our neighbors the way we love ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And and um, the more and more we've we've stepped into just this idea of learning to love ourselves well. Um, it, it's we found more and more that it's, it is not a self-centered thing at all because once you really, really, really love yourself the way the Father loves you, man, it just creates this openness to where you can love others and bless them and not be worried about yourself. 
Um, so anyway, it, it's all coming. I believe that you know we've shifted into a whole new age, a next age yes. of, of of life and and living, and that I believe Father is downloading to humanity uh, just a way to understand ourselves better, to love ourselves as He loves us, and and I think. Well, hey, we're we're in the harvest time. We are absolutely in the harvest time because the harvest time is all about, you know, the wheat looking like wheat and the tares looking like tares. Right. We've got the darkness and the light, and they're both shining very bright. I mean, they're both very uh, prevalent. You can see very clearly what's what. Amen. And I think people are getting tired of it, and they're going to come to a place of enough is enough. Let's figure out how we can begin to work together and, and love one another. Now, I don't know how much you know, I, don't, I hate to say it that way, but how much worse it's got to get before people are finally done. But I think a lot of people are getting done. The The fork's been stuck in them, <laughs> so to speak, as they say, and it, they're done. They're, they're just done. And they're yeah, looking for... Yeah, I think for, that's part of the reset. You know, if it yeah. weren't for the reset, we would be happily just going along in our little, you know, nice, comfortable lives, doing our you know, our building in, in the, in the capitalist kind of world and, and doing okay. Yeah. yeah. But I think God's, like you said, he's, he's done. I think a lot of yeah. people are done because he's done. He's done. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, Doug, thank you so much for being on here. This has actually been uh, uh, very, very insightful. And I hope people have watched this all the way to the end because I feel like this last 15, 20 minutes has been uh, key. Uh, so I do encourage you to go out and get the book. Uh, I have found it very, very enlightening and, and um, uh, very holistic as well in, in the whole picture of the economic system, I think. It's, you touch on a lot of stuff in the book. Um, now, Doug, uh, we generally do a, a, a behind-the-scenes section where we go for another five, ten minutes, uh, where we'll share maybe a little bit deeper on some things. Or do you have some time to do that? Absolutely. Okay, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap this. The opportunity very much to 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 just share with your your viewers. Well, I honor you and what you've done, and I just love your your abundance uh, mentality and just giving this away. So, again, there's no reason for any of you not to go out and get this, and I encourage you to do that. And, uh, Doug, thank you again. Honor you and bless you. And uh, just thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, please share it. Get the word out there. And we will see you all next time. Take care. Bless you. Thank you for taking time out to listen to Kingdom Talks. You can find out more about Kingdom Talks Media and our mission to unite in faith and grow as mature sons at KingdomTalksMedia.com. Please continue to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, Fringe Radio Network, and many more places. Go to our website to find links to all of our media outlets, as well as fantastic online courses and conferences, including the life-changing interactive course, Ultimate Impact. And last but not least, we ask that you consider partnering with us to fulfill the mission to get these messages to the world. To become a partner, go to the Partnership tab on our website. Thank you, and until next time, live a blessed life and keep carrying us in your heart and sharing us wherever hearts are open.